Happy Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I, I, I really wrestled this evening. I wrestled through the week to kind of uh, decide what I wanted to speak on tonight. I had a sermon that I felt like the Lord gave me about three months ago. And uh, I kind of wrestled with what I wanted to speak on tonight, whether I wanted to speak something about Pentecost uh, or speak the sermon that I felt like the Lord gave me. And I just kind of felt like I needed to speak this sermon to you guys tonight. Pentecost Sunday, though, it's a great, it's a great Sunday. It's a great time to remember the Holy Spirit. It's a great time to remember what he did in Acts chapter 2. And I'll tell you what, uh, Pastor Graham, he kind of talked about it. I think it's super important to realize that in Pentecost, on the, when, when the Feast of Harvest happened, what did, what did Pastor Graham say? You said 15 nationalities were represented there in, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And so I, I begin to think a little bit, and this isn't even in my sermon, but I begin to think a little bit about how perfect that was. The perfect opportunity for Pentecost to come. And here's the thing, I just want to say this. God had to bring a lot together. He had to bring all of the nations, all of the nations surrounding Jerusalem together to come to, to uh, Jerusalem for the Feast of Harvest to be able to have that opportunity to present the gospel in such a way. Present the, 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 uh, the comforter, the one that he promised would come after he went to be with the Father, right? And there was no better opportunity. And let me just say this. How many want to see Pentecost come to Christ Point Church? How many want to see revival come to Christ Point Church? Let me just say this. I've been a youth pastor here for eight years, and I've not seen a more stable structure, more unity in the church than I have within this last year, year and a half. And you know what that's telling me? What that tells me is that here, the promise of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, Jesus told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Well, let me just say this. I've heard so many different promises and words from the Lord about Christ Point Church and what God has for this, and that there's going to be a river flowing through this place. Amen? So how many believe that, that revival is on its way here at Christ Point Church? Amen, amen. I'm excited for it. Can you turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11? I'm going to read a few verses. In church, whenever you hear someone mention David or King David, a couple of things, a couple of things come to mind. I think we, we think of two giants. Okay, I think we think of, when we hear of David, we think of the little boy who slayed the Philistine giant, Goliath. And number two, I think we're thinking about the giant mistake that he made in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Tonight I want to focus a little bit on the giant mistake that was made in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. So if you'll turn with me there tonight, I'm going to read. This is from the NLT. And it goes like this. It says, In the spring of the year, when the kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Everybody say, David stayed. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, how many like a good 
midday rest. Amen. After his midday rest, David got out of bed, and he was walking the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the vast city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told that she was Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after her period. Then, he, then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. I want to paint this picture here tonight. I want to paint this picture of King David in this, in this place uh, in his reign where he has won battle after battle after battle and experienced uh, military victory after military victory. Okay, he's in this place and he's knocking, knocking out, uh, knocking out uh, the enemy. He's just continuously uh, winning these wars that he's going to. He's so sure of himself and the abilities of his army and the abilities of the people that he has put in charge that while he should be in battle, while everybody else is in battle, what's he doing? He's taking a nap. He's just waking up. In fact, he's He's waking up and he's at so, so, just so much at peace that he's walking around the roof of the palace. And I could just see him out there looking over the vastness of what God has blessed him with in his kingdom. Amen. Looking over Jerusalem, looking over Israel, and just being able to see as far as the eye can see. And just sit there and think, wow, God, you have blessed me with so much. And now I am king over all the land, king over all the, the armies of Israel. And he's at this place where... He's taken a nap that he's, he's at such peace. Yet the next thing he knows, he sees a woman of such great beauty. She's taken a bath. And he's overcome with such temptation that he cannot withstand it. So he sends a messenger to find out, or he sends someone to find out who this woman is. They come back to him, tell him that uh, she's Bathsheba. She's Uriah, the Hittite's wife. And, you know, and just comes back and explains that to her. And so he's like, you know what? Go get that girl because I want, I want to bring her back and I, want to, and, and I want to sleep with her is basically what went down. So he went, he was so full of temptation that he went and he got uh, someone to bring her to the palace. Now you might think, how could something that is going so right in David's life go so wrong all of a sudden? And I'm just going to talk to you for a minute about a lesson from the life of a king. Can you say that with me? A lesson from the life of a king. I'm going to pray. Father, we come before you today. God, we just thank you. for the, God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak tonight. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity, God, that you have given me, Lord Jesus, to be your messenger. God, and I just ask, Lord Father God, that you would anoint the words that you have given me to say, Father God. God, and anoint uh, this word, Lord God, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that it would fall on good soil, and we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you might ask, how could this take such a drastic turn? You might be wondering how David, such a powerful king who was entrusted over all of the land of Israel, how in the world could something so small, something happen so quick after he has, after he has, after God has blessed him with military victory after military victory and how he's sitting in a palace of, with great wealth and great, witch, great riches and yet he has been brought down to this place. 
I will say this, he finds himself in a sticky situation. How did this happen? I will I'll venture to say that this was no sudden mishap, but this was something that was progressive. So I've got a few points here to relay what I'm going to try to get across to you tonight. Number one, King David had allowed himself to get too comfortable. King David had allowed himself to get just too comfortable. While comfort and security aren't bad things in and of themselves, I believe that we can allow ourselves to become too comfortable. Do you believe me tonight? That we can allow ourselves to be just too comfortable. Listen, I don't believe that Jesus called us to be comfortable. Would you agree with me tonight? He didn't call us to be comfortable. In fact, in Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples that if anyone were to follow him, he would have to take up his cross. If we know what Jesus went through on the cross, if we know what he went through for our sins, it doesn't seem like an easy task. It doesn't sound like anything that is comfortable to me. Amen? After the crucifixion, the disciples, they didn't live a life of comfort, right? They were persecuted time and time again, so they didn't live in a life of comfort. They were persecuted so that they can see the gospel be spread to the nations. Amen? So they were persecuted in these times, and they, were, they suffered great persecution to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about the young rich man. You know who I'm talking about? The young rich ruler who came and asked Jesus, he said, how do I inherit eternal life? What was Jesus' response? If I remember right, Jesus told him, just go and have the priest sacrifice on the Day of Atonement for you, and you're, you're good. You're forgiven, right? Is that what he said? I don't think that's what he said. He said, you need to, the, the young man said, he, well, Jesus said, you know, uh, you remember the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet, right? All these different commands that he gave them, gave him, and then the young man said, listen, Jesus, I've done, I've done, followed these my entire life. I've already lived this out. I know how uh, to follow you, and I know how to live a life of righteousness. I know how to do all that. But Jesus said that you lack one thing. You need to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And what happened? The young man, he was distraught. He had great riches. He turned away, and he was just depressed, bummed out, because he did not have what it took to have eternal life. Jesus asked him to not be comfortable anymore. Jesus asked this young ruler not to be comfortable anymore. He told him he had to sell everything, give it to the poor, then he could have eternal life. Listen, oftentimes, we as Christians, we just simply allow ourselves to become too comfortable. Listen, coming to church on a Sunday morning and sitting in this pews is comfortable. You know what's uncomfortable? Saying, hey, Pastor Stephanie... Pastor Megan, I want to come in the nursery and change diapers and watch babies. Amen? Does that sound uncomfortable to you? It used to sound uncomfortable to me, but I think I've come right into it. Posting about how much you love Jesus on Facebook is comfortable. 
What's uncomfortable selling your possessions and going to a third world country and, li- and answering the call from God to be a missionary? That is uncomfortable, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? Listen, he challenged this young rich ruler to get uncomfortable. And I'll say this, to some of us not getting out of our bubble and, and, and being an introvert and not, not, not putting ourselves out there and not talking to other people, that's comfortable. But let me ask something. Let me just say something. Pastor Brandon, I sat in his office one day and he told me, he said, I'm by nature an introvert. How many of you that would believe that about Pastor Brandon? I'm by nature an introvert. And you know what? He doesn't appear to be an introvert. You know what? Because, because him hiding behind that comfortability is hogwash, right? He doesn't because he's been a youth pastor for, what, 20 years? You can't be a youth pastor and come out of your shell and come out of your, and, and just get out of your box and be uncomfortable if you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow Jesus and you're not willing to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for what you have for me. I want to follow your will for my life and it doesn't matter what the cost. Amen? Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable, Christ Point Church. He didn't call us to be comfortable at all. Most of us have allowed ourselves to be comfortable so that we can watch, so that even, so comfortable yet, so that we can watch the world. We can turn on the evening news and watch the world go down the toilet and not even be moved. Not even be moved into any sort of action. And listen, I'm preaching to myself here tonight. I'm preaching to myself, not only to you, but here's the thing. I, I, I just don't want to be comfortable anymore. You know what they say? You need to, you need to, uh, they say, uh, be careful what you wish for, right? They say, be careful what you wish for. Listen, I, I'm taking a step in faith, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to be comfortable anymore. Make me uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Make me uncomfortable for the sake of the kingdom, amen? So I'm not just preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself, So nobody, listen, I just want to say that nobody ever did anything great by being comfortable. Amen? It's time to ask God to make us uncomfortable. King David allowed himself just to get too comfortable. You know something? We can be, here's the thing about it. We can be right smack in the dab of God's will for our life. We can be right smack in the dab of God's will for our life. King David was God's anointed king. He was blessed. And everything that he did, everything he put his hand to was blessed. He was right smack dab in God's will. And how many know that we can be in God's will and just get too comfortable? Amen. We can just get a little bit too comfortable and we can be in a place, we can find ourselves in a place where we are just on autopilot. Just on autopilot. We find, our find ourselves in a place where we're not being challenged, where we're not... Where we're not uh, where we're not uh, seeking out what God has for us. You know, the Bible says that we need to ask and it'll be given to us. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And, I, and that, what that means is to continue to pursue after God, essentially. Continue to pursue after God. It's not just something you do one time. God has something more for us. And I feel like we need to be seeking after it. Amen? King David was God's anointed king of Israel, but he was too comfortable. Amen? Next, I believe that King David became complacent. Everybody say complacent. Not only was he comfortable, but he was complacent. Second Samuel 
chapter number 8, it outlines many of David's military victories. And I'm going to read a couple of verses from chapter 8 here in just a second. But it talks about how he conquered the Philistines, the Moabites, the Edomites, and etc. It talks about how... Um, talks about how all these battles that he won and all the, all the things that he accumulated from these battles, all these different uh, uh, accolades and things that he got from the people, uh, all the popularity that he got from the people because he won the battles because of all these battles that he won, how he gained such popularity with the people. I want to read a passage, 2 second, second, uh, Samuel eight thirteen and 14. And it says, So David became even more famous when he returned from destroying 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed army garrisons throughout Edom, and the Edomites became David's subjects. In fact, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. The Lord made David victorious wherever he went. Let me just say this. I think that this is kind of a you know, a place and time where David could have just so easily, if his heart wasn't right, if his heart wasn't right, he could have so easily become complacent and said, you know what, God's given me everything that I want. I don't have to complete, I have, don't have to prove myself to anybody. I don't have to have, I don't have to have, um, I don't have to continue on anything. Scripture refers to David, listen, Scripture refers to David as a man after God's own heart. And as Christians, shouldn't we all be after God's own heart? Shouldn't we all be seeking God's, God's heart for what he has for us? King David had such favor with God that verse 14 says that the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. How easy is it for complacency to set in, up into our lives and into our hearts, guys? Church, how easy is it for us to just become so complacent that it affects us. It affects us how we, how we continue on. We can't. We just don't want to do anything else because we're, we're content with where we're at. The definition of complacency is this. It's a feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with one's or one, or oneself or one's achievements. So in light of verse 13, King David becoming more famous due to his victories, how easy could it have been for him, if his heart was not right with God, to become complacent and to just say, you know what? I have done everything under the sun. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to continue anything else. And just a couple of chapters later, what happens? You see that, I mean, if I can infer on the text here just a little bit, or if I can kind of just assume just a little bit, I would imagine that around that time, when his popularity continued to pick up, that his head began to swell just a little bit. Amen? When, his, when, when people started to talk about all the battles that King David had won and all the things that he had done and how awesome King David is, it just began to set in uh, motion uh, a complacency in his heart. Amen? So King David became complacent. It's so easy for us to be in this place. I've preached for 50 years. And I won 500,000 souls to Jesus Christ. What more can I do? What do I need? I don't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. My church runs 1,000 people. My youth group runs 250 people. See, here's the thing, guys. Complacency can stun our growth. Complacency will stunt your growth. When we're satisfied with, with where we're at, and where God's taken us, we stop growing. We stop striving. We stop reading. We stop trying to learn. 
we stop growing in God. Isn't that what we do here at Christ Point Church? I know that's about to change here, but we still grow in God, right? That's the purpose. He is the vine. We are the branches. Separated from him, what happens? We're dying. If you're not growing, we're dying. Amen? So it's so easy for complacency to set up in our hearts. We feel like we've arrived. King David, no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind whatsoever, he felt like he had arrived where he needed to be. So King David was comfortable, and he became complacent. Dangerous. Dangerous in the hearts of Christians for that to happen. Number three, We feel like we've arrived. Things have been, we've been complacent. We've arrived. We're here at this place. Number three comes compromise. Compromise. I think it's so easy when we become comfortable and complacent to compromise our character, our integrity, even our salvation. Amen? King David got comfortable, he was complacent, and as a result, he allowed compromise to creep into his life. How did he do that? Do you think it happened just like that? No, I think it was progressive. I think he allowed, I think he allowed all of these things to happen in his life, and he began to be comfortable, complacent, and he allowed compromise to hit. Number one, he should have been on the battlefield, right? You ever hear that? Uh, you ever hear that old saying or whatever? Idle hands are the devil's playground, right? Right? He was in a place where he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't moving forward like he had in times past. He wasn't. He wasn't at the front of uh, the line like he used to be. He decided that you know what? I don't have any but anything to prove. I'm just going to let. My, I'm just going to let my, my armies go and, and, and do conquests all over and just take, take everything over, and I don't have to do it because I have built such a vast army that I don't even have to be there, right? And he, he, allowed, he, he allowed himself to get so cocky that he found himself in a place of compromise. And let me just say this. Too often if we don't guard our hearts, too often if we don't allow ourselves to hear from God on what he wants us to do and allow ourselves to open up. Listen, here's the thing. I'll be the first to say, there's been times when I know that God has called me to do something and I was straight up, no way. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. When God has called me to do something, and let me just say this, things happen as a result of that. Right? You miss out on things as a, as a result of that. You miss out on God's blessings as a result of that. Is that the reason why we do it? No. We do it because we want to get close to the Lord. We want to please Him. We, we want to seek His face. That's why we do it. But as a result, we're blessed. Amen? So many times we can miss out on what God has for us. So many times we can miss out on what God has for us. And I'll talk a little bit more about how David, how King David missed out on so much more of what God had for him due to this this compromise that he made in his life. Because of his sin with Bathsheba, 
He compromised his kingdom, his character, his integrity, his reputation, and ultimately, it hurt his relationship with God. Amen? Because of compromise, it forced David to make one mistake after another trying to cover things up. It's funny how sin doesn't just affect us. How sin doesn't just affect us. After Bathsheba sent the message to King David about her pregnancy, he tried everything he could to cover it up. And I'm going to go to uh, chapter number 11 and read a little bit more here. I'll go to verse... I'll go to verse uh, 6. He says, Then David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah had arrived, David asked him how Joab, Joab and the army were getting along and how uh, the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go home and relax. So he was trying to cover it up. He was trying to get Uriah to go home with his wife. She was pregnant. He had to figure out a way to, to fix it. He had to figure out a way to make it look like he wasn't the one who screwed up, right? So he, sent, he, said, he tried to send Uriah home to go and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah he had, he, uh, that he had left in the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. See, Uriah wasn't willing to get comfortable. Uriah wasn't willing to get complacent. He wanted to continue to fight the battle, just like King David should have been. Uriah didn't want to get comfortable and complacent. So he said, when David, when David heard that Uriah didn't go home, uh, he summoned and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home the last night after, after being away for so long? Uriah replied, the ark and the Amorites of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are, ca- are camping in open fields. How could I go home and wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. King David said, well, stay here today, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem uh, that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner, got him drunk, but even then he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. So Uriah was so dead set on getting done what had been set before him that he wasn't going to compromise, he wasn't going to get comfortable. And yet, King David had to eventually send him to the, to the front of the line get him killed so that he could avoid what was about to happen so he could so he could avoid the fact that that he had gotten this man that he had committed adultery he had gotten this man's wife pregnant so he had to he had to try to cover it all up and we know the story he got comfortable he got complacent any compromise. And I'll venture to say this. If you can go throughout all of Scripture and see this very same pattern, oftentimes. I was thinking about this. I mean, this might be a stretch, but I was thinking about this. Adam and Eve, they walked with God in the cool of the day. Okay? They were given, they were given a vast garden, Garden of Eden. They were given that. They were able to eat from any tree that they wanted to. Right? God said What? There's one tree you can't eat from, okay? What'd they do? They ate from the tree. How did that happen? 
They were certainly in a place of comfort. You know, here's the thing. Before, there's a, there's a theory out there. It's called uh, the canopy theory. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. But it talks about how, um, you know, the firmament that was, that was there before the flood, right? It talks about how uh, there was a firmament. Look, and and if, if people talk about it, it would say something about, like, the sky looked so much different than it does today um, back before the flood. Um, and, and we wonder how, how people lived to be 900 almost a thousand years old at that point in time, well, this firmament allowed such uh, an amount of oxygen to come into the atmosphere that it was just, it was just, people could live longer. Grapes were growing as big as your head. You know what I'm saying? So these people, Adam and Eve, were in a place of comfort. They were able to get complacent. They were able to compromise. Time and time again, King Solomon, read, read about him, right? What happens? He compromises out of a place of comfort, the wisest king ever to rule, and yet he compromised. So time and time again, you see this pattern that happens throughout Scripture where if we get comfortable, we get complacent, and we can compromise. Amen? I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to be comfortable anymore. I don't want to be comfortable. I want us to be asking, Lord, make us uncomfortable. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, forfeit what you have blessed me with. I don't want to forfeit the things that you have for me. God, I don't want to forfeit the future. I don't want to get comfortable. I'm so thankful for number four. King David got comfortable. He got complacent. He compromised. But what happened? God had compassion on King David. Amen. God had compassion on King David. Second Samuel chapter number 12. I'll go 1 through verse 14. It says, So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town, one, one who was rich, one who was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but a little lamb that he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. But one day a guest arrived from a home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. King David was so furious, as assur- he said, Assuredly, as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and, uh, and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man, King David. How many are thankful for people that can just be real with you in your life? They can just point out and say, You know what? You're doing something wrong, Right? I'm so thankful for those people in my life. Pastor Brandon, I'm thankful for you, bro. I'm thankful for you. Sean, thankful for you. Babe, <laughs> thankful for you. <laughs> thankful for Pastor Larry. I'm so thankful for those who, was, who were able to just, not afraid to just tell me, hey, you know what, something's wrong. So he said to David, you are that man. The Lord, of God, the, Lord of God, the Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you the king of Israel, saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wife's and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, and if that not, had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. What is God's 
much, much more. David got comfortable. He got complacent, right? He compromised. Let's thank God for compassion. I want God's much, much more for my life. I don't want to be comfortable anymore. Amen? God said to him, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stole his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give, you wives, I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, this is my favorite part. Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this sin. Because by the law, David should have died. But God had compassion on him. And he said, you're not going to die. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare this child. And he went, went without food and water and prayed that his child wouldn't be taken. But eventually the child was taken. But here's the thing. God had compassion on David. Some of us might be here tonight, and we might just be thinking right now, I've allowed myself to get too comfortable. I've allowed myself to be in a place of contentment where I'm just totally fine with my walk with God. I'm in a place where I don't have to continue to seek after him because I've arrived. I've been to a place with that. Maybe you're not thinking that outright, but maybe, maybe from what I've said tonight, maybe you've kind of realized, you know what, I've just unknowingly, unwittingly allowed myself to get to this place of apathy in my spiritual walk with God. If you are just tired of being comfortable, if you're just tired of being in a place of comfort, let's just come up and just spend some time before the Lord.